SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like, especially when it comes to your love of sports, entertainment, and even your own morning culinary experiences. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. Every single break there, LeBron telling us what's happening in the world is awful. Do we have to have LeBron James every single commercial? We're sick of LeBron. He's a phony. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats on this Thursday, September 3rd. Here's Julie Scott Wetzel sitting in for the next two glorious hours, as we always do. Taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to my website, oppositepicks.com, hit the contact Scott icon and fire away emails, tweets, phone calls right here again on a Thursday, September 3rd, Bagels and Bad Beats. Mr. Mets, sadly, no more. Revenge is sweet against the Stanks. What's a dork? Uh, Mr. Vegas, not a dork, fixes the NHL. This is why Mr. Vegas doesn't bet on women's tennis. Two down, five to go for the Joker, ripping the Stankies. The buck stops here, crediting Doris Burke. Uh, Mr. Vegas on the left, and uh, hard as a rock. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, tweets right here. Vegas and Bad Beats again on a Thursday, September 3rd. Wild, crazy night in the NBA. In case you didn't stay up late at night, I did. Um, It was the Houston Rockets prevailing over OKC, 104-102, as they advance on to the next round, winning that series in seven games. Thank you very much. The officials who have not had a great NBA playoffs in general, and that included last night when really, to me, they botched both these games, especially that Houston OKC game in which the final couple of seconds there took uh, literally about 15 minutes. It was just just absolutely brutal officiating. We'll get to it. Not more so on one side than the other, but just in general. All that's coming up, 844-843-6879. Bagels and Matt Beats on this Thursday morning with Scott Russell. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. For three, blocked by Harden. Dort got it back, tried to throw it off Harden, and missed him. Rockets ball. It's Rockets basketball with .5 to go. 
ESPN with the call last night. Two horrific, just absolutely horrific basketball games by the officials. One worse than the other. You thought you saw it all when Miami knocked off Milwaukee 116-114, as there were a couple of bad calls, obviously, in that game if you stayed up and watched. And then on the late game as well, uh, James Harden, another choke job, oh, by the way, as far as scoring is concerned. But Houston knocks off OKC 104-102. As uh, really, you know, they, they can OKC can blame the the, uh, the officials as they should. But uh, the bottom line is they did score only six points in the final seven minutes. That, that, that was really, as you know, when you think about the position they were in and the opportunity they had to advance on, and then they just, the offense just wasn't there. You know, they actually played defense. You know, we're actually, believe it or not, uh, in these late first round games and the early second round games with Boston and Toronto, we're actually seeing teams play some defense. And maybe that's screwing up our brain a little bit and we're not used to it, but it really is kind of strange seeing these low scoring games and teams playing defense and actually shots being missed. And then the officiating last night, just just horrible, just absolutely horrible. We'll start with uh, the, the first game. Miami knocks off Milwaukee, as I mentioned. They take a surprising 2-0 series lead. Bucks are down six, right, with 19 seconds left. And I hear, hear Doris Burke from Four Little Network say, you know, the Bucks can or the, the yeah, the Bucks can actually go for two here. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't go for two, 19 seconds left. And what are you that, that's not gonna change the amount of possessions that you're down. It's not really the score, it's the amount of possessions. Down six, you're down two possessions, two threes. Even if you hit a quick two, you're still down four, which is still two possessions. You got to go by possessions, right? So what happens? Well, Milwaukee goes for two. Uh, they end up getting an easy dunk by uh, the Greek freak, who's really not Greek, with 15 seconds left. Then Miami, uh, and Butler in particular, throws the ball away. And instead of Miami calling a timeout, he throws the ball away back towards his own basket, picked off by Milwaukee. And uh, Brooke Lopez gets an easy shot. Now, all of a sudden, they're down two. Uh, and then there's a the timeout. And then, a, and then a foul. And then uh, Milwaukee or Miami hits one of the two free throws, goes up three. Then with uh, basically no time left, uh, four and a half seconds, I should say, uh, there's a foul called against Miami, against uh, Middleton, who jumps and takes a wild three, right? He needs a three to tie the game. Jumps into the defender, Drogic. And there's a foul call on uh, on Gord sending Middleton to the three for a line with four and a half seconds left. And it's like, you got to be kidding me. He was just standing there. I mean, just st- he couldn't have played better defense. He's standing there, arms straight up in the air. Middleton, you know, is running as he's catching the ball and throwing up a three. He falls into Drogic and he gets called for the foul. Just absolutely awful. Just awful. And, and then, you know, Dopey Steve Javi, who they have as the officials, you know, the NFL have the, the officials, which is pretty good for the most part. They've tried to do that with the NBA. And, uh, you know, the first time I hear Steve Javi say there was a bad call will be the first time ever because every single time they go to this guy, he always, always, always defends the official. There's just no point in going to him anymore. There really isn't. I mean, it got to the point where Doris Burke, Doris Burke, the biggest kiss ass there is, right? I got to sit here and praise her this morning. Because she actually called out the officials. And then when Javi said, well, no, that was a good call because, you know, he leaned into him a little bit. You know, my ass he did, right? He, even then, I'll give her credit. You know, we, we criticize her a lot. But you got to give credit where credit was due. Even after the former official said, yeah, that was a good call, which it wasn't. <clears throat> she had the cojones, if you will, to say, you know what? 
I, I can't disagree anymore. I, I mean, I, I can't disagree any more than what you just said. So I give her a lot of credit. You know, <clears throat> again, we rip her a lot and deservedly so. But last night she actually stood up and the play-by-play person had no balls whatsoever either saying, well, you know, I think he actually, you know, leaned into him a little bit to defend it. No, he did it. It was a brutal, brutal call. Just awful. With four and a half seconds left, you do not make that call. So, not to be outdone, <clears throat> Miami gets the basketball, and Jimmy Butler throws up a shot, corner jumper, off balance, and you know how the NBA is. You know, they take these shots, the players do, and they fall to the ground. So, <clears throat> as I take a squeak of coffee, if you're at a position, as the official was, it might have looked like. Butler fell to the ground because the Greek freak who's really not Greek pushed him. But, you know, listen, it's up to the official to get in position. And there's two officials there. There's one on the baseline, and then there's one towards half court. It was the one towards half court that called the foul. Not the one at the baseline. Not the official three feet away. He didn't call the foul. The other guy did. And that's really one of my big bone of contentions with this. So he calls a foul on the Greek freak with theoretically no time left, which I'll get to in a second. And Butler goes to the free throw line, sinks both free throws, and Miami wins at 116-114. So you can make the case, as a lot of people will, you know, the foul on uh, that allowed Middleton to get three free throws, which hit all three to tie the game, shouldn't have been called, and I agree. And <clears throat> this foul shouldn't have been called either, so they wash each other out, and theoretically Miami should have won the basketball game. All right, you know what, again, I'll uh, I'll buy that to a certain extent. I I will, but you know, <clears throat> you know, we teach our kids two wrongs don't make a right, and that's the case here. I I mean, just awful, awful basketball refereeing. And the question I have also, if you've done any refereeing as I have, you know, professional fifth, sixth grade girls basketball, once you call a foul, the clock stops. Even though in the NBA there's a continuation with the play, the clock doesn't continue. So if a guy goes up for a jumper or or a layup, right, and he's fouled and he takes his, you know, NBA typical one or two more steps and gets the layup, layup counts, continuation play. Okay, but the clock stops as soon as the foul is called. So the continuation does not include the clock. And I only bring it up because... After they went to review and said, okay, the foul did occur before the clock struck zeros, they allowed the clock to go down to zero. And it's like, well, wait a minute now. If you're telling me that the foul occurred before the clock's hit zero and the clock is supposed to stop once the foul is called, there's got to be at least 0.1 seconds left. right? I mean, you can't do much with 0.1 seconds. But, you know, maybe they deem it as 0.2 seconds. You know, maybe they deem it as 0.3 seconds. Whatever the case may be, there should be, there has to be theoretically 0.1 second left on the clock. Because if it's going down to zeros, then the foul occurred when there was no time left. There is no foul then. So, I, I, you know, to me, unless I'm missing something here, the NBA is going to come out today and say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're both going to say that the both fouls were fouls, which we can disagree with. But I don't know how they're going to explain putting it down to double zero. Because, again, you know, once a foul is called, it's supposed to stop. So if the foul occurred at point one, that's when, you know, the clock is supposed to stop. Not a, not a double zero. Because if it's double zero, the game is over or it goes to overtime in this case. So they blew that one. 
And I know Houston, OKC, <clears throat> bad call after bad call after bad call. Uh, the Rockets do prevail 104-102, and um, they move on, and, and they take on a Laker team that I'm sure is just chomping at the bit to get at this Rocket team that that struggled mightily against really a mediocre OKC team. You know, the, this series should not have gone seven. Houston had a 2 nothing series lead. You know, maybe they took their foot off the pedal, you know, and let the OKC back in it. But some rookie named Lou Dort, I, I kid you not, uh, Lou Dort, D-O-R-T, went for 30-plus points last night. They were saying, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but they said he's the only undrafted player to get 30-plus points in a game seven. Maybe, perhaps that's the case. But, I mean, this guy for OKC was shooting lights out. However... The bottom line, and, and I'm not necessarily a Chris Paul supporter or detractor, but you know what? Six points as the point guard in the final nearly seven minutes of this game for OKC. Man, oh man. It was there for the Thunder for the taking. It really was, and they just couldn't score. Houston defense, dare I say it, was actually pretty darn good. We're coming up, Bagels and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. He'll finds Corver. Gives it up to Middleton, launches a three, and he's fouled! That has been the story of the game. It's happened seven or eight times where a three-point shooter has been fouled, and Middleton with a chance to tie the game at the foul line. If you're Goran Dragic... I, I disagree with the call. And you don't have the challenge. Right. I totally dis- I 100% disagree with this call. Eric Spolster used his challenge in the first three minutes. Middleton's second free throw is good. Here's Butler with three. Butler with two. With one. Butler against Matthews. Gets it away. And no good. Do we have a foul? We do. A foul is called. And Jimmy Butler can win it at the line. Let's see if he gets it away. Just make sure that he gets it away at a time. It, it appeared that he did. And, yep, it's definitely out of his hand. And there's the contact. Not much. And there you go, ESPN with the call last night. That's the Milwaukee and uh, Miami Heat game. And I'll tell you, the other day, we can blame the officials as uh, I am. And you can make the case, as I pointed out, Scott Wetzel, Bagels and Bad Beats on this the Thursday morning, taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. You can make the case, you know, Milwaukee should have been in a position to tie the game anyway because the first call was just as bad as the second call. I, I get all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, maybe even more importantly, we talked last week about Dallas or earlier this week on Monday not being really ready for the prime time. And, you know, you can start making the case about the Milwaukee Bucks as well. 
You know, last year you thought they had the stepping stone loss, you know, you blow a two-game series lead against Toronto, lose, you know, and I'm sure that's what they're talking about in the locker room. Hey, listen, we had a 2-0 series lead against the defending champ or against the champs, which turned out Toronto, and we lost four in a row. So if uh, we could win uh, and blow a 2-0 series lead, then so can the, the Miami Heat. So no doubt that'll be the theme of the Bucks locker room. But that said, you know, they thought they went through that learning process last year. But they're showing again this year, as Dallas did against the L.A. Clippers, that they're not ready for prime time. And the Greek freak who's really not Greek, and he has no excuse. Now, he's been in the league a long time. But that what you, you just can't come close to that guy shooting the basketball. You just can't. I, I mean, Jimmy Butler. And again, was it a foul? No, it wasn't a foul. I mean, he just put his hand on him. And Butler was going to fall to the ground regardless. And the dopey official didn't realize that or doesn't know. I don't know. These NBA players, they all fall to the ground. They take shots. They've, they've perfected this where they take a jumper and they just, when they come down, they just fall down. You know, in a league in which, you know, Marcus Smart the other day got fined $25,000 for flopping. You could call a flop in every one of these jump shooters. I mean, they all do it. They take a shot. And they just fall straight to the ground. That's what happened last night on this play. But unfortunately, the Greek freak, who should know by now, you got to stay away from the guy. You can't come even close to the guy. I get it. You want to block a shot. But you know what? At that point, you know, Butler's already in the air. He's either going to make the shot and they're going to win or it's going to go to overtime. You lunging for it like he did. You just can't do that. You got to play smart basketball. And that's why, you know, just like seemingly the Dallas Mavericks, I, I, the Bucs, even at this point, still aren't ready for prime time. They're not ready to win these games. They lose these close games. I mean, you talk about a bull in a china closet. I will say this for these officials. I felt bad for them because there's no more ragged a team than the Milwaukee Bucks, and there's no more ragged a player in the NBA than uh, Giannis. They, they get in the basketball, to their credit, you know, either high post, and he starts backing down a la Mark Jackson from uh, many moons ago. And he just barrels into guys. I mean, just, you know, barrels into them. And they're, the, the guys are standing there. And half the time, they're getting called for blocking fouls. When in reality, you know, the, the players are like to the officials, what am I supposed to do? He, he's, he's running into me. He's barreling into me. It's an offensive foul on every single Giannis possession. Every single one. I mean, it, it's great. They could foul him out of the first quarter if they really called every single foul. And that's why, go back. You look at some of the game in the first, second, and third quarter. This is my bone of contention with these dopey officials. You know, they will ignore obvious charging fouls because it's Jonas or just because it's like they can't figure out, is it a block? Is it a charge? Is it a who knows what it is, right? It's players flopping and falling to the ground all over the place. But then they're going to call a ticky-tack foul like that at the end of the game to decide the game. I mean, they knew that, that official had to have known the moment he raised his hand, it was going to be ball game because you knew Butler was going to end up hitting at least one of the two free throws. And as it turned out, he hit both. So, I mean, you just, you know, as a common sense official, you have to have some common sense. That's not a foul to begin with. Again, there's 50 zillion other examples of plays that are more egregious than that. Butler jumps up into the air. The Greek freak lunges at him barely, barely touches him, doesn't hit the shooting hand, doesn't hit him when he's going up in the air. Uh, he's hitting him or touching him when he's back, actually out on the ground uh, as he's you know falling to the ground, and he just puts his hand on his back, just a little, one hand. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just 
listen, it's a bad play for Giannis. He's got to learn to stay away from that. I get that, but it's also just a brutal call. And you can't, you just can't decide games like that. You you can't. Whether it's the foul against Miami with four and a half seconds left, allowing Middleton to throw up the three free throws. Uh, to his credit, he made all three. Or whether it's this foul with no time left. It's just awful. And it's awful on, on Giannis. He's got to learn. You know, you're not going to win these games if you can't control yourself in the final seconds. That's when these games are won and lost. And just a brutal play by him. You got to get the fudge out of the way. You know, in a Butler, it wasn't like he was the only guy there. There was another guy, Garden Butler, who had pretty good position on him. So, you know, you got to be ready. You got to learn what it takes to win NBA playoff games. And, you know, Milwaukee has shown now two years in a row that they're just not ready. Not, not at this point. Now, again, they blew a 2 nothing series lead last year to Toronto. No doubt they can make, uh, you know, the comeback. It is Miami. It's it's not, a, you know, it's not the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, it's not the craziest notion in the world. But, boy, down one nothing, backs against the wall. You would have thought they would have come out blazing last night, and they didn't. Uh, Milwaukee, in fact, was down double digits with about four or five minutes left. I mean, the Miami was leading basically the entire way. It was not a good game for the Heat, or for the Bucs. It, it really wasn't. So, very, if you're a Milwaukee fan, you got to be disappointed. You just absolutely positively have to be disappointed. And if you're an OKC fan, same thing. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better scenario than what they got last night in order to win that basketball game. And they still couldn't win as they lose at 104-102. You got uh, 19 points out of Chris Paul, a a decent shooting, you know, 5 of 11. Uh, You got the, the, you know, unsuspecting hero in uh, Luke Dort you know, going for 30 points on 10 of 21 shooting. Um, you know, so you had a couple of guys that, that came through for them that you didn't think would. They put four or five players in double figures. And on the other side of the coin, you had, uh, you know, mediocre games from um, uh, uh, James Harden. I mean, it really, you know, I won't even say mediocre. That's being kind. 17 points, not too bad. That's why I'll see mediocre. But it was four of 15 shooting for Harden. One of nine from three. Uh, he did hit eight of his nine free throws, but if you would have told the Thunder, listen, uh, they're only going to get 17 points out of James Harden, uh, you would have signed up for that. I- I'm sure you would have signed up for that. And listen, he is very, he is very, very, very lucky that uh, they won this game because he would be getting crushed right now. The Rockets were 0-5 in elimination games, and Harden, let's face it, has not distinguished himself in this postseason, uh, whether it's this year, whether it's previous years, it's the choke job all over again. And a game seven, you just can't you know, have 17 points on four of 15 shoot. You just can't without getting criticized. And they were almost like making excuses for him during the broadcast. Like, well, you know, it's unfair. You know, all this stuff about Harden's going to go all come up again. Well, you know, there's a reason why it comes up again, because he does this time after time after time. I mean, he was outscored by Robert Cummington. He was outscored by Russell Westbrook. He was outscored by teammate Eric Gordon. I mean, he was outscored by three of four guys on this team that are supposed to step up, but he's supposed to be the man. You know, second most shots, four of 50. That's horrible. That is just horrible. That's James Harden. That's why he'll never win. They'll never win. They won't. Um, There's just no way they're going to beat the Lakers. I'm sure the Lakers are thrilled. Um, You know, they wouldn't be sweating if OKC would have won last night, but they were probably more worried about Portland then they would be the Houston Rockets, to tell you the truth. This Rockets, he got very, very lucky last night. It's just, um, you know, it, it's not a good look for the NBA, for the officials. You know, whether it's uh, throwing out uh, Christophe Porzingis in the, in the uh, Clippers-Dallas series, 
uh, whether it's these, you know, uh, scenarios that we're bringing up here with both these games tonight. I mean, that Houston OKC game, I understand why our update person doesn't have a score in because that thing ended around 12 o'clock or so. I, I stayed up and watched until the very end. The final couple of seconds just took forever. I mean, just a replay after replay after replay. And then they go and, and uh, there was a possession by OKC, which uh, uh, there was a nice block on Dort who had a jumper who, if you watch it, you know, boy, if you're OKC, if you want to break down the nuts and bolts of it, uh, which I don't mind doing uh, every once in a while, but OKC had the basketball, chance to tie or win it with a three. Uh, Paul couldn't get a shot off. They throw it to Dort in the left corner. He takes a jumper that Harden, to his credit, actually blocks. Then they both lunge for the ball that went up in the air. Dort actually gets it, but he was... Out of bounds, his last step was out of bounds when it jumped up in the air, which put him out of bounds touching the basketball. So they had to go to review and see, you know, who it went off of. Then they had to go to review and see how much time was left. And then Dopey Steve Javi said, oh, good call, good call. You know, uh, it was off Dort. You know, he did touch it last as he tried to throw it against Harden, right? So I'm watching it being the professional that I am. Uh, I knew exactly what they should have done. Because Dort did step his foot on the line, but since he was the first to touch it, that's when the clock should stop, not when Dort, after he threw the ball out of bounds. Did Steve Javi, the you know the longtime official, bring that up? No, he did not. It took me to bring it up in my brain. Eventually, though, they realized, oh, yeah, you know what? That's when the clock stopped. So that took extra time. The final couple of minutes. But Dort, if he would have gotten the ball, instead of trying to throw it out of bounds off Harden, to make a long story short, all he had to do was just turn around, just make one pivot move to his left, and he had a wide-open jumper. But it wasn't the big. All right, phone calls, emails, tweets, all coming up. Bagels and Bad Beats on a Thursday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beans with Scott Wetzel. Um, I would say we're disappointed uh, with the judgment, with the decision, the timing. Um, it's a tough job. I have a lot of respect for the officials and the crew tonight. Um, it's not an easy job. And of course, you know, we have our way of seeing things and uh, we're going to disagree. Uh, but we need to, you know, um, shift our attention to game three and getting prepared for that. And, um, you know, understand that that's, uh, that's the most important thing right now. Eric Bligger. That's uh, Milwaukee current head coach Mike Budenholzer. You know, I don't know why these fish or I don't know why these head coaches just don't go off. You know, hey, listen, they, they got all the money in the world. You know what? I, I know there's more games in this series, and maybe they think there's going to be repercussions on this. That if we rip them after game two, that uh, we're not going to get any calls after game three and four. I, I, I get all that other stuff, but but you know, it's just I, I would just go off. I really I, I would just absolutely go off on these officials, uh, whether it's that series, whether it's Houston and OKC, 
see. They're trying to figure out whether there's a foul call with one second left. One official saying yes. Another official said no. There was a timeout. That took well, – I forgot about that play. That, that, that took forever to figure out, in fact, there was a foul. Um, and I'll tell you the other thing. Now, replays were a little inconclusive. And they didn't show this angle. And again, you know, the great Steve Jabby, you know, you know, the, the great official there that's that's being used um didn't bring this up. But when the ball went out of bounds after uh, the dork dude uh got the shot blocked, he grabs the ball. It did look like possibly Harden touched the ball first before Dort, who is a little bit taller than Harden, grabbed the ball. Uh, so why is that a big deal with a second left? Well, if Harden touched the ball first and Dort grabbed it away from him, well, Harden was out of bounds as well. So that would have been automatically out of bounds off Houston, and it should have been OKC ball with a second or so left. Um, you know, that was not even brought up and discussed. But, it, it, you know, I don't think it was, but it should have been at least discussed as far as who would actually uh, touch first because it was blocked. They both go up for it, you know, and, and uh, Harden did lunge at the ball. And, you know, we've seen these things where a guy has the ball and it's deflected out of his hand and it turns out to be off the guy that actually had the ball in his hand, not the guy that deflected it. So they, to me, they should have like had a side angle and really slowed it down and saw who touched it first. Harden, who was out of bounds, uh, who lunged at it as Dort did or, or Dort. But, you know, again, that's not going to be brought up. So, but just 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 bad officiating. It, it was just awful. Uh, we put our poll question out there in honor of uh, the officiating from last night's game. Uh, which officials are the worst? NFL, NBA, MLB, or the proverbial other? If you think it's other, then let me know uh, what sport it is. Whether it's soccer, whether it's uh, you know the NHL, uh, whatever the case may be. So uh, let me know. Go to my uh, email address or uh, the Twitter feed, which is at opposite picks. O p p o s i t e picks p i c k s. I just sent it out there. So it should be there, and then uh, get that in your vote, and then we'll update that a couple of times um, before the morning is through. Hockey last night, real quickly, a couple of other things before we hit the phones here. Uh, Colorado beats Dallas 4-1, so all of a sudden now we get all these Game 7s. You know, first in the NBA, now in the NHL. You know what's wrong in hockey? There's no strategy in hockey. There there really isn't. You know, it's uh, you skate 5-on-5, five five, plus the goalie. You know, if a team is down a goal or two with a couple of minutes left, you pull the goalie. You know, they either score or you get the empty netter. Um, you know, on a power play, they all set up the power play exactly the same. Same defense. You know, all right, we only have four guys on the ice as skaters, excluding the goalie. We're going to create a box, and we're going to let the opposition throw the puck around the perimeter, and we're, we're going to block the shots. And, and the offense does the same thing. We're going to throw the puck around. Every once in a while, we're going to take a shot. I mean, it's the same thing over and over and over. There's nothing. Like, I can't come on the air. I like hockey. You know, I'm not Zeke for Kossi, mind you. I can't give you the third line of the Edmonton Oilers. But I like hockey. I'll, I'll watch Colorado-Dallas, as I did last night, even though I'm a Bruins fan. I'm a little despondent because the Bruins lost. But, you know, so I appreciate it. But there's, you can't come on and debate Colorado-Dallas 4-1. You just can't. You know, if there was a number of players that should have been playing 20 minutes and only got 10 minutes of ice time, I suppose you could debate that. But, you know, that that's all in the flow of the game. There, there's nothing there's nothing for the Dallas Stars fan, in this case, to call up a radio show and say, man, the coach didn't do this, the player didn't do that. You either score or you don't. There's so little individual play that you, you can't critique 
even a player. Except did he score? No. Did he score? Okay, he did. I mean, it's it's one or the other. There, there's generally like no middle line. And I don't care if you're Alex Ovechkin or if you're Joe Schmo. You rely so much on your teammates to be able to set you up and score a bunch of these goals that again, there's just no there's no strategy. There's no a coach should have done this versus that. However, I have the answer. I really do. And I do think that's the problem. You know, most people over the years have said the problem with the NHL is, well, there's so many foreigners and we don't know who these guys are. They're playing in these leagues overseas. It's not like minor league baseball or college football for the NFL uh, or college basketball for the NBA that we can get a sample of these guys and know who they are when they come in the league. You don't know who any of these hockey players are. They're playing over in Sweden, Finland, wherever the case may be, right? So you get no buildup. You don't know who the players are. Most people think that's the problem with the NHL. And I say fooey to that. That might be part of the issue. But to me, really, the big, big issue is you can't, again, call up unless there's a fight, unless there's something egregious happening. You just can't call up and, and, and debate on whether this should have occurred or that should have occurred, you know, unless there's maybe a penalty. But I got the answer. I really do. And it's not as goofy as you might think. You know, Dallas last night was down three to one. Seven minutes left, they get a power play. All right, so now they're going to skate, you know, uh, one extra skater. Now, to me, I pull the goalie, go up two extra skaters, and cut the deficit to three to two. Does Dallas do that? No, of course not, because no head coach ever does that. They never taste risks, uh, or take risks because, God forbid, that the uh, Colorado Avalanche, in this case, get the empty net and make it 4-1, and the game is over with seven minutes left. So you hope your power play is going to be able to produce a goal, cut it to 3-2, to two, and then you'll worry about pulling the goalie later on. But my suggestion is there ought to be one time in every game that the NHL head coach has the ability to say, no empty net goals. What do you mean, Scott? In the case of this game, Dallas, right, down 3-1. Right? If the head coach says, you know what, Mr. Official, uh, I'm going to use this power play for us to not allow Colorado to score an empty net goal. So what's the Colorado not going to shoot at the empty net? No, they can obviously shoot at the empty net. And if they shoot in the empty net and it goes in, then that eliminates the rest of the power play. That's their advantage of getting that so-called empty net goal. It won't count as a goal, but it will eliminate the rest of the power play. And that would allow, point being, Dallas to now pull the goalie, put two skaters on there more than the opposition, in this case Colorado, and create a little buzz, create a little excitement, take a chance. You know, if they had the opportunity to not give up the empty netter in that case, I guarantee you they would have used it then down two goals with seven minutes left. But the NHL and, and hockey is just so generic. Same thing over and over and over. And then maybe Dallas doesn't do it. And then we could have the debate the next morning. Gee, what are they doing? They got an opportunity here to pull the goalie. Or maybe they did it earlier in the game. And we could be yelling and screaming and saying, why did Dallas do that in the first period? Nothing ever is decided in the first period. You got to hold on to that thing. It's almost like a challenge. You know, I give the NHL credit. They at least allowed now one challenge to kind of make things a little interesting. But. You know what? That's just approaching the ocean. You got to dive head first. You got to go into the water. Let's make it where the team, both teams, have at least one opportunity per game to be able to pull the goalie and not count an empty net goal. And that would create just a little bit more buzz, a little bit just, you know, make it interesting. Make it where the hockey fan can call up outside of a pure hockey show 
and just debate whether this coach should have done this or should have done that. But instead, it's just flat, just the same old, same old, down 3-1, seven minutes left. We're not going to pull the goalie. It's too boring, blah, 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 blah. There's just no strategy involved whatsoever. The individual play left us with Wayne Gretzky. It really did. You can count on one hand how many times a player will get the hockey puck and skate around more than a couple of seconds with the puck on its uh, on its stick. He just won't do it. Everything is tic-tac-toe, tic-tac-toe, tic-tac-toe. There's no individualism, whether it's Gretzky, whether it's, uh, excuse me, whether it's Ovechkin, whether it's Crosby, whether it's, you know, pick any other young super, McDavid, whatever the case may be. There's no individual play. You don't see guys skate from one end to the next end on the ice. You just, you just don't. There's no opportunity for them to show their true skills. And you need more, NHL needs more of that. They need to open up their game. They need to have strategies being involved, make the rules where you could do some goofy things like this. And I don't think that's that, that goofy. I really don't. Allow the team one time per game to pull the goalie and not have to worry about an empty net outside of having that power play come to an end. I think it's a great idea. I, I really do. You can only do it with a power play. You know, you can't do it any other time. You got to be on the power play to be able to do it. But instead, it's just the NHL is just boring. It, it, it just lays there. It just, you know, really, it just absolutely lays there. They have to do something to brighten the game, to, to make it more uh, attractive for the millennial that'll be like, wow, okay, let's debate this thing the next day. You don't get it. You really just don't get it in the NHL. All right, eight four four eight four three six eight seven nine. Johnny in Manhattan starts us off on this uh, Thursday morning. What's up, John? How are you today, bud? I like that, Scott. You say make it more attractive, and you pick up my call. I'll take it, Scott. I'll take it. <laughs> yes, how about that? And by the way, I got the camera on the left-hand side because you were not the only one. Uh, if you heard my opening monologue, I said Mr. Vegas on the left. Um, I don't know what it is about the camera on the right. I don't know if that makes me look fatter or makes me look, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'll take my glasses off. But, you know, I, I, a couple people have said the camera on the left is my better side for some reason or another. You it being one of There's a, there's a, a song by The Clash on the London Calling record called The Right Profile. And, Scott, for you, the right profile is, in fact, your left profile. It's paradox, but it's true. So uh, we're really happy you moved that camera over. All right. All right. I, I won't ask I won't ask for details on why. I'll just accept the notion that that it is. Okay. Enough said. Right, <laughs> What's I'll on your mind? I'll let you know in an email. Okay. okay. But, uh, you know, when Jimmy iced the game for the Heat, I think it's safe to say that the butler did it. Ah, there you go. Cute. I'm sure that'll be on all the headline papers down in Miami for sure. Uh, the butler did it, or really the officials did it, but yeah, I get it. You know, I'm not the biggest Harden fan in the world. Uh, you know, he blew me off once in real life, and, you know, he swore on national TV last night yes, I saw uh, that. in the postgame okay. interview. Um, and, uh, no, he didn't have a good offensive game, uh, Scott. But, and, again, I'm not a basketball expert, but I really think you undersold that defensive, that block. That was, an, to me, that looked like, you know, the play of the game and such an athletic block, such a great play. Scott, you said to his credit, but I feel like you totally undersold it. Well, listen, I did give the, both teams credit for playing defense. Uh, I mean, there were there was barely any points being scored in, in that game, um, especially with the last five minutes. I mean, literally, you know, uh, OKC scored six points in the final seven minutes, and uh, and Houston didn't score many more after that either. So, I, I you know, I gave him credit. I mean, it, listen, it, the game's on the line. There's, there's three seconds left, literally. I mean, He's paying the thirty. He's paid thirty-five, forty million dollars a year, John. I mean, I, I expect him to play a little defense, so he did. 
I'll give him credit for that. And he's not a bad guy either. Um, you know, he just he just seems to choke in the postseason in game sevens, especially. So, but you know, listen, I gave him credit. He made a he made a good block. You know, he made a he made a running block and he blocked the ball and he didn't give up on the play. So I appreciate the phone call. Now, listen, you, you can't go guy. These guys make up winning game. Will they win a game against the Lakers? Um, yeah, I, I think they have one game in. I, I, I think there's there's one game where Harden's going to go off for 40, Westbrook will go off, and they'll beat the Lakers. You know, but the Lakers will probably win a four game. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. on a Thursday morning coming up on uh, 57, 58 past the hour. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking it right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time, 844-843-6879. Hit me up on Twitter, at Opposite Picks. As Greg is done, uh, and pertaining to my poll question, uh, which we put out this hour, and uh, we'll update a couple of times, uh, worst officials in uh, sports, uh, NBA, NHL, NFL, uh, baseball, the other right now, early on, it's a 32% saying the NFL, interesting baseball, 12%. Oh, check that NBA is 50%. Never mind. I was a little surprised. So NBA, 50%, NFL, 32%, MLB, 12%, and, uh, other, uh, coming up the rears at 6%. Not surprised about that. So especially with the NBA last night, if you guys watched it, then for sure, Greg uh, tweets in no worse call in the history of sports than the Saints Rams game. You know, I still don't think that was pass interference, to tell you the truth, Greg. So your worst call in the history of mankind, I still don't think letter of the law that was pass interference because the football, to me, was past the wide receiver uh, by the time the defensive back actually was clocking him in the back there. So uh, Dan tweets said, maybe the NBA refs have their orders from the league, Mm, you know. Uh, not the worst notion in the world, Dan. Uh, you wouldn't be the first person to suggest such a thing. Dare we ever suggest such a thing. Uh, Sport and Fool tweets in, NBA by far, Scott, the whole mentality that somebody is a rookie, a superstar, or somewhere in between determines the call. It's total BS. It does. Uh, there is no two ways about that. You're 100% right, Sport and Fool. But it is tough. I- I'll tell you, like I was mentioning about the Greek freak, I mean, he just barrels. I mean, he just absolutely Barrels into guys. I mean, it, it's got to be tough on them not to call a foul on every single possession that the Greek freak has. That's how out of control he is. Crazy. All right, one hour in the books, one to go. 844-843-6879. We'll talk some hockey, more baseball, some NFL stuff, big signing. That's all next to Vegas and Bad Beats. Uh, 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.